Okay, this is Overboard. This is a podcast um, mainly for people working within the cruise industry, uh, either on ocean cruise ships, river cruise ships, or people that have crews, so cruisers, let's say. We're going to be talking about all sorts of cruise aspects, obviously in these very trying times, how it's going to affect the cruise industry, how it's going to resurrect the cruise industry, um, and we want it to be quite simple. So no over overproductions, as you can tell, because I can't say the word, no advertisements, no overthinking, just hearty discussion. And with me every week to do this lovely podcast is my dear friend and colleague of many different companies. It is young <laughs> Benjamin. How are you? Ben? I'm all right, thanks, David. I don't really think that we should mention as many companies that we have worked for. Did I say how many? You didn't say how many, but you said many, which implies that we have worked at many. Many not... can be two. Many can be two, but Maybe when I say to two, you how anyway. many ex-girlfriends do you have, it doesn't stop at the number two. No, it would still be many. <laughs> yes, it still it still would be many. You're right. But anyway, it's lovely to join you this morning, David. I know you're in Budapest and I'm mm -hmm. over here in the UK in Liverpool. So um, I'm looking forward to this. Yes, I am. And we're going to talk about uh, not only cruise stuff, some other stuff, some lighthearted stuff as well. Um, just checking that you and your family are OK. Yes, every, everybody's fine over here, Dave. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how a typical day plays out for you. We've both got two children. Um, and my son, Henry, is two and a half and my daughter, Lily, is eight. So it's a kind of different day for both of them. We're trying to trying to keep Lily in, in some kind of homeschooling. But that that's difficult, um, especially with the boy, because obviously he's, he's running around like a madman. And my wife is working from home. So it's very it's very difficult for us. But spirits are high. Old boy, we're in. Uh, what are we now? Four four weeks into lockdown and we've got at least probably another three to go. So, um, yeah, that's how our day is playing out. Um, and you say the boy, the boy is two and a half, two, two, and two and a half, years, Henry, yeah. two, two, two three and quarters, half. something like that now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mean, he could have got, he could have gone into nursery because um, Ali's a key worker. She works for a supermarket chain. Um, but so we decided to keep him out because uh, obviously that way we're doing, we're doing our bit to, to, you know, not have him come in contact yeah. with as many people as possible. So, yeah, that's where we're up to. And your, your little munchkins, are they well? They're very good. As you know, I have uh, Zoe, who's five, and uh, little Kiki, who's just a couple of months younger than, than your youngest, Henry. So uh, she's two and a half as well. So... Your typical day in isolation, how would it begin? Well... Uh, it depends what time it begins, Dave, because to be honest with you, the, the boy can be up at any hour. Um, but let's just say a, a typical day. We, we rise uh, together at six o'clock in the morning. And then, of course, you go to the kitchen and you become the chef, don't you? And it's an endless need for fruit, cereals, toast, fried eggs, juice, water. Um, and then from there, obviously, the routine is the shower and the change. Nine o'clock homeschooling starts for Lily. Um, and then we're quite lucky still in some respects because Henry will have a good nap from around about uh, 11 o'clock till one, half past one. So that's an opportunity to catch up on any work, any emails, a bit of downtime, uh, have a little bit of lunch with Lily. And then the afternoon, we've discovered the joy of bike riding, David, which we oh, yes. absolutely, yeah, we absolutely love. So we're very lucky here in the UK. We're not going to talk really too much today about the impact it's had uh, on us here in Liverpool. We'll talk and the wider community. We'll talk more about that next week. But we do, we can get out on a bike ride, which, we, which we're loving or a nice long walk. So that's great. And then home, obviously dinner, and then it's bath time for the boy and bedtime. And then that's kind of the day. And it kind of repeats like that. Mm, very good. Yeah. Uh, well, me, well, I get up when I want, except on Wednesdays when I get rudely. <laughs> by the very good, David. <laughs> what we need is a, co we need a comedy single or a tumble, a uh, comedy symbol or a tumbleweed. Uh, yeah, maybe I can put that in later. Okay. Uh, all right. I think that my day is filled with, um, the usual challenges of having two kids as well, but bike rides definitely. I think you find something to cling on to. Um, and like you, the bike ride is probably the highlight of my day. Um, well, yeah, but you're laughing about that, but why wouldn't it be? Because it's good quality family time, isn't it? Well, the other thing is I've had this bike in the garage for two and a half years and I've right. rid ridden it about twice before this coronavirus. Uh, so is that not a euphemism for the wife, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> Well, we've got two kids, so, um, <laughs> so that, that that works out well, then, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, but I've been every day, maybe sometimes two or three times a day out on the bike. It's um, it's good for my waistline. I think is going down slowly, but I, I think I'll need another couple of thousand bike rides to make any effort into that. Um, well, it's, it's, it's funny you should talk about the waistline because I know yeah. that you've over the past, you know, since since the season stopped last year, and we'll talk more about that later. You've kind of you always adopt more of a healthy lifestyle than probably I do. I know you you don't drink as much, but I have to ask the question, Dave, because these are these are times that I'm not advocating drinking, but when is it acceptable to have your first alcoholic drink of the day? Well, in lockdown. I think, well, in general, I think if you're in lockdown, I, I don't drink. I haven't hardly drunk, but I mean, I would say that it's probably, what, 11.30? 11.30? <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed know. to have, right, blimey. So you're, you're almost, although you're not drinking, you would be treating this the same as if yourself and I took our families on a lovely, you know, two-week vacation to Mexico. <laughs> this is the reason I don't drink, because I don't think, and, and, and I tend to drink more when I'm working. So on the ships, when it's very more, much more social, yeah. um, you're meeting colleagues uh, in the evening as well when you're doing excursions and what have you. And plus the guests would like to have a drink with you. And it, it, yeah. anyone who's worked on a ship knows it's much more socially acceptable um, and expected but, really to drink. It, so it I, I tend to yeah. enjoy a few scoops on, on the ship, but when mm. I'm off, I don't really, I, don't, I hardly drink. I'm, I've had a couple of glasses of wine one night mm. and maybe one beer one night since it all began don't really have any drink in the house so i don't really feel the need to no absolutely and i think just going back to probably murder one of the children as well if i was having a drink as well well yeah you do know you've now you've got this on record so if one of your i'm not saying your children are going to go missing but if they do then clearly you did it no i i I quite like having them around yeah they're lovely your children are lovely but talking of just going back to just quickly about the socializing thing on on the ship and not to get drawn in right now to you know drinking on a ship and stuff because obviously safety is the the primary concern but it is a very social place to work isn't it and you do need that that slight release i believe at the end of the day when you know you because you are working incredibly long hours everybody knows that you're up at six in the morning you're into bed you know 11 or 12 depending on on the schedule you do need to have that opportunity just to sit and relax for 20 minutes half an hour or so it's how you unwind as well, because of course yeah. you're you are like in isolation. You are away from your well, not like isolation because you're not you, you're you're not stuck with your family, but you are away from your family and you are stuck inside a contained unit, if you like. Mm. So um, yeah, you need to do something to unwind. And obviously, when I say drinking, I don't mean exceeding drinking to no. excess. I'm just no. talking about having one or two beers. That's all. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. No, I agree with you. Now, listen. Maybe that's enough now of our of our, of our daily routines and, and talking about. Well, before we leave that, I just want to tell you what what is starting to wind me up about. Oh right, okay, this is good. And this is a, a, a medium which I really enjoy most of the time. However, recently I find it very nauseating. And this is Facebook, Benjamin. Ah, yes. Because okay. <laughs> I decided to put a filter on my Facebook, and I wanted to weed out any posts that asking for a picture when you were. 20 a picture with your father a picture <laughs> yeah. if you worked on ships a picture if you're a performer post yeah. 10 album covers with no explanation if you yeah. hate the government if you love the government performers going live because there's no one has kissed their ass for a while how much somebody has just ran how much somebody has just cycled pictures of cute animals are adverts i was just <laughs> with my own posts I was, <laughs> I was, I was going to say yes it's um it's rather nauseating isn't it can i tell you what winds me up now while you're on that Go on. Because mine is the same kind of thing as you. It's people that do good deeds for somebody else, which is a wonderful thing to do, don't get me wrong, but then have to post about it all over social media. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. for example, here's a picture of me delivering shopping to my elderly neighbour who can't get out because she's only got one leg and an iron lung. Yeah, OK, that's great. Well done. That's fantastic. But having, why do you feel the need to show me that photo? I would just like to be there at the photo. So you're there at the photo. The woman's got one leg and an iron lung. Hang yeah. on, can you, well, can you just pose? Hang on, I just did quite, don't fall over. <laughs> well, listen, we know we know that could never happen because she she can't get down the stairs. Um, let's move on to other matters then, um, yeah. and we're mainly talking about the cruise markets. And uh, let's have a little look at the impact of coronavirus on the return, maybe, of the cruise market. <clears throat> mm. The LA Times recently reported that a recent analysis from the Swiss bank UBS found that in the past 30 days, the number of cruise bookings for 2021 are up by 9% from 
compared yeah. to the same period in 2020, including a substantial number of people booking brand new cruises as opposed to simply rebooking cancelled cruises. That is very encouraging. It, you know what? It, it is very encouraging, but I find that staggering. I honestly find that staggering. Um, I thought that we would see a, a complete downturn uh, in the booking of cruises because of the media's attention to highlighting the fact that in a number of countries, I mean, if we just take Australia, for example, David, they believe that, they, that in, in Western Perth, they've had six cases. That's all they've had. Uh, and or, or six deaths, should I say. And these were attributed to a cruise ship that was allowed to dock there. And Fremantle, now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't mm. know the name of the ship, but um, I should have checked my facts. But um, what I would say about that is that, you know, the, ne- the, the, the media coverage of a cruise or cruise ships has been very negative, hasn't it? Or the cruising industry. It is. Um, I think it's sensationalism, of course, because it mm. is, I mean, the old ethos of a cruise ship is that it's very glamorous. And when it goes wrong, it has this maybe opposite effect on the headlines for these reporters. There is also in that report, I did say that 76% of the people who had cancelled cruises in 2020 have chosen to accept credit towards a future cruise in 2021, as opposed to the 24% who accepted the refund, which is also very very positive. No, it is very positive. But I think actually it comes down to the fact that maybe, you know, your your cruise guest, uh, is a very, very loyal guest. Certainly the companies that we have worked for in the past and continue to work for now, we have a very loyal guest, don't we? Who, who understands, enjoys the product uh, and knows that the company, uh, or the company, should I say, will do their utmost to make sure that when cruising starts again, that it's a safe environment for people to come and enjoy uh, the many parts of the world, of course, that the, the cruises go to. It's a very, um, I think it's a bit like, you know, they say Marmite, you either love it or hate it. Mm. I think cruises has a similar effect on people's choice of holidays. I think other people, oh, no, it's not for me, or they maybe try it and then they really, really love it and I don't think much can put them off. I thought this might put people off a little bit, but from the research that I've seen online and a little bit of research I've done, which I'll tell you about, in a moment, it seems mm. to be having um, the opposite of what I would have thought. There's also Cruise Critic did a poll yeah. of 4,600 cruise customers in which 75% of respondents said that they plan to continue to book cruises at the same rate as before after the coronavirus outbreak is over compared to 24% who said they planned to book cruises less often. Mm. So that's and, they, and the other 1% didn't current. understand the question. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's that's a very good point. Yes, <laughs> so, sorry, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And the other cruise, I'm surprised they got that that uh, good a response on Cruise Critic because I've been on there and seen our names mentioned a couple of times. <laughs> I was in a negative way. Well, I'm not going to but... say anything negative about Cruise Critic, but to actually leave a critique on Cruise Critic, you have to have at least a day free. Yes, you do. You're, anyway, we shouldn't we shouldn't really get into that. But again, to... I mean, I think it's outstanding. I think it's outstanding. I'm going to. You know, we're just, I just want to go back to the fact that you brought up before, uh, you know, about the people who are 70, 76% of people are, are actually uh, rebooking for 2021 or beyond and have chosen to accept credits. Sorry for the people that have already booked. So let me start again. People that have booked a cruise in 2020 that have been offered a refund or a credit, 76% have decided to rebook a cruise. Yeah. yeah. Now, playing devil's advocate here, and knowing very well uh, about the, the, the kind of compensation that's offered by the cruise department, do you think it's anything to do with the fact, or cruise market, should I say, anything to do with the fact that they're adding incentives on top of that? So, for example, you might have booked, and we know for a fact, because it's out there on the internet, that a certain company are offering 125% back from the 100% booked. So that's so you, you, you put that into perspective, David. You know, you, you book a cruise, let's say uh, a cruise on a river is going to cost you and your wife, uh, let's say, £15,000, yeah? So you're going to be getting back 25% of that £15,000 to upgrade or spend. That's a, that's a significant amount of money, isn't it? It is a lot of money, Ben. But I don't think every cruise company is going to be doing that. Um, mm. In fact, I know because I've done a bit of research. But, however... Again, we go back to the mentality of cruisers. Mm. I, I think you either trust cruise companies or the cruise company that you favour 
let's yeah. say, let's say. And um, and then you go with that. I mean, would anyone really, at this current moment, no one wants to step on the cruise ship. Come on. None of the crew do because there's nowhere to cruise for a start. You can't mm. go anywhere. But yeah. However, I mean, I have confidence in the company that I work for that when we get back to working, then there's going to be um, things put in place. You know, there's going yeah. to be um, practicalities that will become uh, everyday, um, you know, norms. routines, yeah, norms yeah. That, that we haven't done before. And that will make us as crew feel more comfortable. And, of no. course... I'm sure the guests, are, in fact, I've done a little bit of research and somebody actually, a guest told me that they have fully confidence, full confidence that the cruise companies will take measures. Um, so well, they'll, that, they'll, yeah, so the they'll, guests will they'll have to. But what do you think, though, Dave, about, for example, uh, companies that have had a very public experience with COVID-19? And ha do you think that it will be more difficult for them to rebuild their businesses again, as opposed to companies that took uh, action prior to actually having any cases. So I'm thinking in particular, uh, I'm going to mention them, Holland and America, who had big problems with ships. Um, do, you, do you feel that that will be more difficult for them? On my past experience of cruising on ocean and rivers, I think anyone who has a bad experience on a cruise ship either comes straight back or doesn't go back on a cruise ship. So... <laughs> Okay, right then. So you're well, saying they if, that if, sounds... I can, if I can explain, the company yeah. will in, in, incentivize them to come back. Right. Um, yeah. And if they've had a bad, I mean, people do have occasionally bad experiences on cruise ships because, yeah. you know, it's like everyday life, things happen. Um, and then if you can get that guest back on board and they have a great time, of course, then that, that's it. Or the, the experience is so bad that they don't come back. Mm. And I would say, and by the statistics that we've been looking at, you know, I'd say three out of four people would 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 come straight back on a cruise okay. ship. Let, let me read you, let yeah, me read you this on the Guardian then, and let me and, and uh, we took this from the Guardian, and you tell me whether you agree with this because a spokesman for Carnival tells the Guardian reporter that the cruise industry took action before most other industries on land took actions. That cruise ships are social gathering places, but no less risky than any other social gathering venue, and. Carnival also asked or told the reporter, when was the last time you were asked to fill out a health record before being allowed to enter a concert? So basically, essentially what they're saying is we are more prepared, we are more equipped than other social venues to deal with coronavirus. What do you think about that? Do you agree? I do agree. And also, I, I agree um, that in the future, that will definitely be the case mm. because, um, you know, a, a, a pandemic like this hasn't happened for a hundred years. Um, so uh, with it very, very fresh in everyone's planning and memory, then we are going to be taking precautions to make sure that um, we will prevent this from happening on a cruise ship or limit this. Okay. This, this, is a, this is a whole big discussion that we can have. And I think we will have this in our next podcast. I think we've yeah, we will do that where we're going to talk about the measures that cruise companies will take so that what will cruising look like when we do uh, return to cruising and we're okay. talking about measures like sanitization and uh, mainly preventing okay. any outbreaks and health issues on cruise ships and how it's going to make how the company is going to make it very enticing for guests to come back and feel secure okay now i i, I agree with you but i want to now play the piers morgan of this podcast. And yeah. I want to throw something at you here, Dave, to say it's all very well that they can say that, but has a cruise company ever, ever been able to control norovirus or an outbreak of norovirus? Tell me what the difference is. Because no. I, I, because we, because guests have been filling out a health card for ages before they've come on board and it's tick, 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 tick. Yep. I'm absolutely fine. And then a day into the cruise, you see and you go down and you see the toilet paper on the door or whatever it is to signify that this is a, con uh, a cabin uh, or a guest that is ill with norovirus. And before you know it, you have a sweeping knock-on effect on the ship. What would be the difference between that and COVID-19? Well, I will answer you, Benjamin, because basically you are being very sensationalist, if that is a word. Because... Well, I did say I was going to be Piers Morgan. Yeah, and you're doing a very good job of that because <laughs> I have worked 
on ships where we have contained things like this, you know, where there has been maybe an incident. And it's not, you know, um, these things happen because the, the whole thing about cruise ships is people go on land and then they come back on and they bring things back on, mm. whether they be souvenirs or coughs and colds. But, Drugs. <laughs> I don't know what party ship you've been on, but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. So and and I've we've uh, I've worked on for various companies, and we've had cases where people have come back on, and they have had sickness and and diarrhoea, and it's been contained where it's not escalated at all outside okay. that cabin. So you know, every you know once or twice a year maybe you will have a story about norovirus on a cruise ship yeah and it's in all the papers because it's big news they were stuck there they're in quarantine which is sort of like not so bad anymore but yeah if you know what i mean it's a big thing in normal times but for every one of those there's probably thousands of cases of norovirus where it's contained within one cabin they're treated very well because they have excellent professionals on board especially the large cruise ships you have doctors and nurses on board you have uh, clinics you have isolation um, places on board a ship where it's treated that is not reported it's not, not a news headline someone had coronavirus and it didn't spread on a cruise ship so again yeah of course you're going to have these stories um, but then this thing happens on land it's not reported at all. Let's let's move away then from from the guests because obviously, you know, we're we're two crew members on board uh, on board river ships, so this has had a huge impact on us. You know, what's your what's your experience, David? Having spoken to other crew members, how's this impacting them? Obviously, we know it's impacting the ability to leave the house, uh, but what about from a financial? financial perspective because it's quite devastating isn't it really somebody's a furloughed uh their their um um not their temporary stuff but their regular stuff what the word i'm looking for the permanent um, contracts contracted yeah. permanent yeah. contract yeah uh, and so you might get 80 percent of your wage so you're okay mm. there are companies i spoke to some colleagues that um are not so lucky and they've either had just the heads of departments on furlough or, or they've just had their contracts um, put on delay until they start again, which means that they have no source of income. Um, and what do you do if you're put, you know, you're, you're expecting to go away for seven, eight, nine months of the year to earn the crust? Uh, what do you do? I, I've got some Filipino friends who, when they get home from a cruise contract, because um, I spoke to them and, they, and I said, you know, nine months away, what do you do when you get home? I mean, I have done a nine-month contract when I was on Oceans, but I don't on the rivers anymore. And I said to them, what, how do you feel? And they said, listen, don't, don't feel too sorry for me because when I get home, um, I, am, I am the king or the queen, really, because I'm away. Yeah, I don't see my family for those nine months, but when I get home, I will see them all, but in the knowledge that I've supported my children. I've supported my spouse. I've supported my parents. I've supported my spouse's parents. I've supported the, the, the wider family. Uh, a lot of people are going to be supported by that one wage or two wages that are coming into the family community. Yeah. Um, and if you take that away, that's not just one little family affected. That's, that's quite a, a lot of people. So I don't know how people are going to survive um, in not, uh, when I say survive, I don't mean actual survive. I mean financially survive. But um, yeah, it's going to have a big impact. But the, the question is, how long is it going to go on for? Yeah, I, I, and I, I tend to agree with you, and you're right. And if you haven't worked in that industry, especially like you say with our Filipino friends, it's very it is very common for 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 both the husband and the wife to go away and work at sea, and for the grandparents to look after the children, like you say. I mean, I I, I guess I look at it from another perspective as well because. You know, we we work on seasonal contracts or, or anybody who works on the ocean works on a contract length or a river, should I say. And you do your contract and then you have time off and then you gear yourself, don't you? You have to gear yourself up for a return to work. Would you agree with that? So mm, for me, I think I, I, I'm just talking personally here. Aside from the, the income uh, impact, it's it's actually a mental impact for me as well, because I was everything was set and I was ready to return to work. And now that's been delayed indefinitely. I, I find that quite a struggle, if I'm honest with you. 
Yeah, it is a struggle. And I think we will have, uh, in a future episode, we'll talk about when will cruises return mm. um, and what will it take for cruises to return and when and then we get some feedback from other people as well when they think it's going to happen. There's lots of different times being spread around. I, I just heard yesterday that one particular cruise company is starting to cruising again in June. Right, okay. And yeah, what, for 100% for sure? Uh, um, from the, I can make out the article, yeah, they're going to push ahead in June in the, um, I think, the Danube region. Um, wow. Which okay. is, I mean, yeah. okay, I mean, we don't want to really go into further episodes about, you know, what we're going to discuss there, but I mean, can you see that? I, can't, I don't think I can see that. Can you? I can't see that at all. Because, for example, for example, uh, if you, I know, obviously, uh, Germany is, is is on the beginning of the Danube or the end of it, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, I should know that, of course, and I do. It's at the start of the source. Um, but you know, they're they're saying uh, the German government is saying mass gatherings are cancelled at least until August the thirty first. Oktoberfest has been cancelled. Now, you might say a mass gathering. That, what constitutes a mass gathering? Now, I would suggest for them a mass gathering is fifty people or more. Or maybe seventy-five people or more. Now, if you've got well, if you've got one hundred and ninety yeah. people on board, that means they can't technically gather all together in the same space at any given period. How's that going to work? It depends how you market the cruise, Ben. Um, because if I mean, it's not the company I'm work for, but uh, I I know which company it is. I'm purposely not mentioning the name of companies on this podcast because I don't think it's appropriate. Let's, let's call them. But, why don't we call um, them Ben and Dave's Cruise? No, let's not. Um, basically, this company are going ahead. Now, how they market that cruise? I mean, you could. There are maybe things that are in the favour of this current climate because th- there aren't many people around. No. So if if they're taking a gamble that in I don't know, let's say Austria, that the rules are relaxed enough that that people can go on small numbers, maybe say fifteen groups of fifteen. Um, and then you're going to have, uh, you're going to see, let's say, Vienna, Vienna in a, in a very different uh, light than it would be normally. I know, I, 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 please, you know, this is just hypothetical what I'm saying now, of course, because I don't know no. what's going to be permitted and what's not. I'm sure it's all down to the price. I'm sure it's all down to the the unusual times, that the way that they're going to market it in this year, unusual times, you know. Um in any way, if, if they do do that in June, it's a great test run for every other company to just watch and see how it works. Yeah, I mean, it is. I don't know how that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we're getting involved here in conversations that we don't know about, but how they can possibly control the quality of the guest experience is beyond me. But let's park that to one side for a second, because we'll talk more about when it's going to return in, in later dates in, in more detail. Um, OK, so we, we, can I just tell you something that I, I did a little bit of research? I, I basically off my own back. Mm. I, I contacted 15 guests that had cruised with me before. Oh my God, and they're still speaking. And I wanted, to... I know, I can't believe it, but okay. <laughs> I told them that I was here. <laughs> um... <laughs> you definitely wouldn't have got a reply then, mate. Let me tell you. <laughs> I asked for some honest feedback right. rather than some dispute feedback. Um, and I asked them these questions Would they take another cruise? Again, either on the river or the ocean, how long would it be before they cruised again if their answer is yes? And how they thought the cruise companies have been doing with their public announcements. Mm. I'm just going to read you a list of responses now. Okay. I was surprised with the responses, to be honest. Uh, one said, would not get on a plane or boat until the pandemic was completely over and a vaccine was found. Then they would have no hesitation to cruise again. Another said, definitely cruise again, as I'm sure, company name, will be training crew to keep things extra sanitized. Um, another person said was due to take a cruise this June to Scandinavia and already used the voucher offered by the company to reschedule for August 2021 and couldn't be more excited. Once pandemic is over, oh, this is a different one. Once pandemic is over and a vaccine is found, we'll definitely cruise with company name again. Um, another said we will definitely cruise again, assuming there is a stock market after this <laughs> and we still have a retirement fund. Um, I think people will return to the rivers before the ocean. What better way to cruise with a few people rather than a few thousand, especially with the security that you are near to expert medical assistance on land? Um, and finally, someone said, I think sanitation will be the key and would have no hesitation in cruising again once the pandemic ends, which I think will be in four to five months' time. Um, I think we're looking at a few factors then that will heavily impact our 
industry. Um, the one is the, which we're going to be talking about next week. How will companies implement security for our guests in terms of the extra sanitization measures to make the vessel safe from the disease and infection? We'll talk about that next week, and we would like some feedback on that, and we will um, show you how to contact us uh, at the end of the podcast. Um, how long will it take them to return? And how many companies will survive for them to return it's to? It's a great question. It's quite... a great question, isn't it? Because we're talking here, you know, I mean, the, the companies that aren't going to survive this, David, at the end of the day, are they? I mean, yeah. I know a river cruise company that were launching this season on the rivers. Uh, everything was in place. They brought two ships, uh, three ships, sorry, should I say, and had the staff in place and everything like that. And their season's been completely cancelled. You know? It's, yeah. Will they survive? Will they, they, they claim that they're going to be coming back and, and doing a soft cruise at Christmas to, to launch the product, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know. It will be a different field when we come back. It will be uh, – well, I'm hoping it won't be in a way. That's the worst thing about this pandemic, apart from the obvious destruction, is that the, un, the unknown – it's the unknown. You don't know when it's going to end. You don't know how it's going to affect people. Um, I mean, we're going. We're, yeah, you're talking about affecting people. I mean, you know, let me let me ask you a question here, Dave. You know, how how comfortable are you going to feel returning to normal life as we knew it before lockdown? So I'm talking about, you know, close contact with people that you've never met before. I'm talking about sitting in a restaurant very close to other people, going to a concert, stuff like that. Even when the government say it's okay to do so. Do you think that will feel different? I think that will feel very different. I think we're going to have a soft launch, aren't we, of, of, of I don't, coming well, back to Earth. We're talking about cruising no, in I, general. I know, I think I know we're talking about, be, I'm talking about that. We, we, may be looking, we may be looking at ships sailing with a third capacity, I don't know. No, but don't, I'm, um, not, I'm not talking specifically about the amount of people that are going to be on a ship. I'm talking about you personally in your life returning to what was normality before lockdown. I don't think it will feel, I don't think people will feel the same going out in public again for a long time. I think you'll be surprised how people adapt and change and, and, and forget. Um, because, and the way I formulate that in my head is that all of this very quickly has become quite normal. Uh, that sounds very callous and dismissive, but it's not. I know what's happening. I know that there's, you know, nearly a thousand people dying some some days in the UK. Um, hopefully, the numbers are coming down. But you know, I know that is happening. But the normalisation of this, you know, I have the radio. Well, I listen to the BBC, even though I live abroad, and and I think about Zoe, my five year old, listening to this constant news of people dying. But it, it we just talking about it as if it's normal because it is actually normal at the moment for people to be dying every day. Once that stops, people will want to, I think they'll embrace getting back to normal. Mm. I really do. I think people will trust it. Um, and again, it depends on a vaccine. If they're, if they're going to come up with a vaccine. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think, we've, I think before, the, you know, before that vaccine is confirmed, I think that's that people will still be very cautious because there will there is no cure so until until i mean it sounds stupid to say it but until the vaccine is created and it's proven that it works which they're talking about the fact that it's going to be next year aren't they they're doing trials now but you can't just it's not as simple as that um that, no. will, that will be next year i think until then people people won't feel safe um but you're right life will return of course and i think what's very interesting this quote here if i can just pick it up from what you said there that uh, people will return to the rivers before the ocean because, of course, there's less people and they're closer to land for medical assistance. Do you agree with that? Would you say that was, you know, in your opinion, that was probably going to happen? The way I look at it, having worked on both rivers and oceans, I'm cruise director on ocean and a program director on rivers, it's like apples and and and. Pe you know, oranges, they're completely different. Just any analogy. Anything other than apples would have worked there, Dave. You know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I usually say well, cricket. They're completely different games. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you can understand you love one and you can and not love the other. They don't go hand in hand. So I don't think people who are regular cruisers on ocean will actually 
particularly like the rivers because they like what's up, what they get on the ocean, the choice and the, yeah. you know, the, the, the razzmatazz of all that. Well, you don't, you don't, you don't Whereas, get that on the river, do you? I mean, that's a lot of comments that you get. You know, you get people that have been on the ocean a lot. They come to the river. It, it works both ways, isn't it? Of course, people have been on the ocean. They come to the yeah, river and they say, I, I wish I'd done this I'm, earlier. And you get the exactly. other way. Say, I've had a great, yeah, I've had guests I've had a great come time, on the river. But there's no... But it's it. for me. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. So the numbers... That's what people are saying. But, uh, you know, I, I think no one's going to really launch. Uh, I would be very surprised if companies launch without full preparation of, of, of every eventuality mm. of what's going to happen no, you- next. Talk, talking of what's going to happen next, this is going to be a regular feature in our podcast. Right. And um, we would like to be talking about um, some of these subjects with input from other people. Oh so please do get in contact now in future episodes we're going to be talking about when do you think all companies will be operating again okay so what happens next in that what happens next with sport so obviously all sport has been suspended what is going to how do you think it's going to happen and what how do we see that coming back into place what will happen to air travel i mean this is a a big topic um Next week, we're going to be talking, as we mentioned, how will companies implement security for our guests in terms of extra sanitization measures to make vessels safe from disease and infection, which I'm really looking forward to because I'm quite interested in people's ideas of how we are going to make the ships safe um, and secure, more mentally secure for people. This week, I want to know, Ben, what you think about what happens next to the handshake. Ah, the handshake. The long-forgotten art of shaking somebody's hand. Well, this, this, this it actually goes back to 5 BC. There's art in 5 BC. It's a bit like the start of this podcast. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Um, and uh, most people know that Roman men clasped hands to show friendship and that they had laid down their weapons. And that's the general feeling of where this initiated from. Uh, this practice, of course, is an appropriate way of making, well, used to be an appropriate way of making physical contact in a professional setting. Handshakes are your first impression, of course, a sign of showing honesty and integrity. However, Gregory Poland, who is an infectious disease expert at the Mayo Clinic, one of the largest medical research institutions in the US, said that when you extend your hand, you're extending a bioweapon. It's an out moded custom and it has no place in a culture that believes in germ theory okay will there be a replacement do you think the handshake has had its day look there's a lot of things that are going to come out of covid19 but you are not going to take away the handshake really it's going to that's just not going to happen that is a a custom like you've already explained that has been with us since 5 bc um and it means it means a lot to many people. It's the first well, impression. Uh, hang on. So you're, we, we're cruising again. Mm. You're the program director, or the cruise director, yeah. and your guests come on board. Yeah. You go to shake their hand yeah. and look at you with that expression of what the hell are you doing? What are you going to do? Look, David, I'm going to be, I'll be blunt here. If you've returned to cruising, you can shake hands again because that's the reality of it. At the end of the day, uh, we, I disagree. Well, you, well, OK, OK, let's just just bear with me one second here. First of all, I never really offer my hand out to a guest to shake their hand for fear that theirs might fall off. OK, that's the first or, thing. Or, or they'll take money from you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. The second thing is you, you, there is going to be a vaccine for COVID-19. OK, right. And at the end of the day, when that comes into play and people feel that this hideous illness is under control, then life will return to normal, like we've already discussed. Uh, Am I going to shake hands with people before that vaccine? Probably not, no. That's probably going to be, though, a directive from companies to say you're not to shake hands. Of course, I understand that. But certainly, once a vaccine comes, I'm going to be shaking hands again. Of course I am. Interesting. Maybe maybe the... the, um... The practice would have already died out by then. Okay, Dave, let me uh, let me let me flip that then and say, okay, let's take us back to a younger day when we weren't, you know, with our wives, our our, our, our long term, you know, our partners, our wives. Are people going to go out who don't have a boyfriend and a girlfriend? Are they going to kiss each other again ever? 
Well, it's different. No, it's not different. How can it possibly be different? It's not different. Because it's all. different. No. Someone, you're, 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 it's a higher level of... Have you been out in Liverpool on a Friday night? They don't care who it is, animal, vegetable or mineral. <laughs> well, exactly. But, I mean, you know. No. I no. mean, we're talking about no. handshake as a, as, a, as a meeting of two strangers to signify... Respect. Integrity. Yeah. And no, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I, I believe that it. I believe that it will personally stay. I believe this is complete uh, exaggeration by uh, Gregory Poland. I mean, there you go. Um, I, I like the handshake. Don't get me wrong. I like it. I really love it. And I like the eye contact. You know, a good firm handshake. Not not those people that try and crush your bones, no. but a firm, solid handshake and a look in the eye. For me, that's fantastic. That gives me such contact with a guest or a friend or you know, someone that I haven't met before. Let's look at the replacements to the handshake then. So uh, as we, as you know, Prince Charles ditched the five-finger grip in favour of Namaste, um, which also the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, encouraged his citizens to adopt. This is the Indian greeting of clasping your hands together and a little bow, the Namaste. Mm. Do you like that? I love that. I have to say I do like that. I am a fan I like of the that. Namaste. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's classy, you know, isn't it? Well, I'm a little bit Asian, so it's near to, near to my heart. <laughs> you mean you're like a Chinese on a Friday night? <laughs> yeah, I do. The Japanese bow. What about the Japanese bow? Again, it's 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 lovely, mate. It's very respectful. I, I, I having you know, I, I had a little bit of a rant there about the handshake, but these actually, to be honest with you, David, they, they're 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 very courteous, aren't they? And they're very gentle and they're very respectful. I'm, so I like the Japanese well, bow. I'm a bit worried about the Japanese bow. Why? What happens if you bow at the same time and you sort of head by each other? Well, you don't, do you? Because you always leave a respectful space. Unless you're, you're huge and tall, then you're never going to really go no, near them. Well, that's not going to worry us too, then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tanzania's president, John Magufuli, I don't know mm. how that's pronounced, Magufuli, mm. uh, he touched a shoe-clad foot, uh, dubbed the foot shake. What do you think of this? Ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. He's touching his own foot. No, an opposition leader, he did it. They, they, basically, they just touched feet. What, 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 what each other's feet? Well, if, if, I was, if you were stood opposite me, right. I would put my foot forward and you would put your foot forward and they would touch each other like a handshake, but with feet, shoes. Oh, right. So they're not, they're not touching it with a... Oh, goodness. But no, that's like something after TikTok. No, I'm not happy about that at all. Okay, you wouldn't touch them with your hand. What would the bloody point of that be? <laughs> that's why um, I thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> okay, American favourite is the elbow bump. Yeah. Well, we know how they're dealing with coronavirus, so I think I'm going to say no to that. Oh, controversial. Um, and another one which I really like, okay? This is very common in the Middle East, Ben. Mm. Um, it looks very professional. Instead of shaking hands, you just put your hand over your heart when you greet someone. Mm. I don't know whether or not I would be confused if people were suffering from a heart attack. <laughs> oh, that would be my thing with it. He's coming up to me, well, he's smiling, they... he's a bit red in the face, he looks happy, he's clutching his heart. A heart attack, well, maybe you'd know. Uh, but I, I quite like that one or the um, Namaste, I think. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to say, I'm, gonna, I'm going with Namaste, uh, followed by the Japanese bow. They, they would be my two. I think Namaste is going to replace the handshake. You heard it so. here first, folks. Yep. Do you th so you so you do you think in I don't know when when Lily and uh, and Zoe are off for their uh, first interviews in however many years time twenty well sorry no 15, one will shake hands yeah you don't think so no. you think they'll be doing the Namaste yeah hmm. so that so I I think everyone knows about the germs in a handshake but they're never really it's never come to prominence like now you know everyone knows that people have germs when they sneeze but every time someone sneezes before this. Not everyone would think, oh, good, there's germs around, you know. Nowadays, it's more germ management, if you like, is going to be more prevalent in people's minds. And I think people will not want to shake hands to begin with because it, they've just got over this. Don't forget, a lot of people have been more affected by this than us. So mm. they're very lucky. Um, and it's sort of disrespectful extending your hand at the moment. It would feel like that. You say one of that, I still think people will be a little bit hesitant. So I think this Namaste thing will replace it. I think if cruise companies are clever, they will say, please don't be offended if your cruise staff do not shake your hands. It's mm. for your own safety. And I think we'll get used to it. Yeah, I think you may be right. Unless, of course, and you're probably you're going to be so you're going to say, Ben, you're being ridiculous here. Unless people start shaking hands with gloves. Let me tell you my logic for this, David. Let me tell you my logic for this. People, people didn't stop having sex when HIV came to prominence. They just put a bag on it. 
Are you going to say people are going to shake hands with condoms on? <laughs> This is ridiculous. Yeah, maybe, maybe, David, this is our future career, that we design a glove that looks like a condom that people have <laughs> in their hands to shake hands. Okay. And people will say, are you practising safe handshaking? As, as you're in a light-hearted mode, I also, mood, even on mode, I yeah. thought, um, I've asked you to mm. pick a couple of isolation songs. Oh, yes. Songs that you think, I don't know whether it's the words or the... Yeah. Maybe not the lyrics. Maybe it's just the mood of the song that that basically sum up the isolation that you yeah. are suffering but enduring. Maybe at the moment. Yeah. What isolation songs have? Do you want mine first? Yeah. Why don't you give it? You, yeah, give us yours first, okay. Dave. Yeah. Go All on. right. My first one is uh, Morrissey, not because of his views. Let me get that. But because uh, before he expressed um, disgraceful views, uh, every day is like Sunday. Every day yeah. is like a Sunday. Mm. Um, the reason being is because every day just seems the same at the moment, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, I know, absolutely. And and also, it's a very good song, isn't it? It's a very good song, but it's it's got that that slightly Morrissey sort of morose feeling as well. And you know, sometimes I get up and you don't know what day it is at the moment. So that's why every day is like a Sunday. Uh, just as a little uh, quiz for you, mm. do you know do you know what number that got into? It was in the UK charts, right? Um, okay, yeah. every day is like Sunday by so, Morrissey. Yeah. I'm saying it got to number seven in the charts. Okay, which year? Morrissey, every day. I am going to say 1986. Oh, not a bad guess. It got to number nine in 1988. Oh, not bad. Okay, I'll take that. That's not too bad. Two years out and uh, two two spaces now. Pretty good. My second my second song, right, is by Weird Al Yankovic. Can you remember him? No, I can't. I've got to be honest with you. Okay, so Weird Al Yakovich, I won't tell you the year just yet, but um, he recorded spoof songs. So he would take songs and then he would re-record them with other lyrics. I know a lot of people do this. Um, and he did a version of Beat It mm-hmm. by Michael Jackson, but he called it Eat It. Right, it was okay. an exasperated parent and attempt to get his picky child to eat. That's why he wrote it. But anyway, my second song is Eat It by Weird Al Yankovich because – up until a few days ago, and I've tried to go on a bit of a dive, I was just eating everything. <laughs> just so bored. And like, and after Easter, there were so many Easter eggs in the in the fridge. It's like, oh, I was I was just going sneaking them and just trying to take one out without the kids seeing. Yeah, it was awful. So, um, going back to the guessing game, do you know, we'll go to the US charts. Do you know what number that got into in the US charts? It charted. Um, oof, okay, I'm going to say um, I'm going to say it made it to number one. Well, it made us a number one in Australia. It actually only got to number right. 12 in the US charts, number 36 in the UK charts. And okay. it was, the year was? Well, I'm, I'm just trying to think about this, actually, because obviously it needed to be released after Beat It by Jackson. Yeah, very and I good. think Beat It was probably 80, early 80s, 83, 84. So I'm going to say Weird Al Yankovic had it a hit as a novelty song. Novelty songs were big. 89. Well, you, you, your early thinking was good because Beat It was 83 and this was 84. Oh, oh right. Okay, well, okay. Uh, very good. Okay, which songs have you gone for? Well, I've chosen um, The Pet Shop Boys and Dusty Springfield. What have I done oh, to deserve this? Love that song. It's just such a great song, Dave. And yes, of course, you could look at the lyrics and you could look at what have I done to deserve this to be in lockdown? What have we all done? But it isn't really about that. It's just about the fact that when those first couple of beats kick in, you know, dun dun. Dun, 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 dun. I just love it. And I love the ending as well, when there's that really high part that nobody can understand the lyrics that are just playing under Dusty's uh, other lyrics. It's just a great song. Yeah, and I love Dusty Springfield. Um, she looks appalling in this video, though. Have you seen the video? <laughs> I watched it last night. You, yeah. you do know that before she was married, her, she was actually Dusty Carpet. That was her name. Dusty what? Dusty Carpet. Oh, for God's sake, that's awful, right. <laughs> You'll which, be stealing which... it. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Which number and which year? Right, OK. Dusty Springfield. U- UK charts. UK charts. I'm going to go 85, mm. and I'm going to say number one. You're not very good at this. Number two in 1987. I, I don't think that's too bad, is it? I am guessing. Oh, is the Beach Boys' Don't Worry Baby. Oh, I love this song too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
you know, there's a lot of people that say uh, that, that that their most the most beautiful Beach Boy song was God Only Knows. But for me, it's always been Don't Worry, Baby. And it's just a song that just takes me to an incredibly happy place. The lyrics are quite sad, but the harmonies um, and the melody are just absolutely beautiful, David. And uh, you know what it's written about? Um, is it Not Worrying Babies? It's actually about a car. <laughs> No, it's, not, it's not about worrying. He doesn't give a sod about babies, but he does care about his car. Okay. No, I love that song. It's actually one of the first records that I had, and my dad left it to me. Uh, okay. Would you like to guess um, what number and what year? 69, number three. It actually got to number 24, but it actually got to number one because it was the B-side to their first number one, I Get Around, in 1964. Oh, my goodness me. Now, that is... Do you know what? Not only has this been entertaining, it's been educational as well, David. Well, you, you, I don't know where I get this information from. Just, just pluck it from the air. Yeah. Okay, I think Good. that'll do for this podcast, Ben. Yeah. Um, would you like to tell our listeners yes. what we would like them to do next? Yes, we would like you to go into the kitchen. And, no, not at all. What we would like you to do is to get involved, of course, because hopefully this podcast is going to develop and we want as much, of course, uh, interaction with you, as much... Um, what's the word I'm looking for, David? Oh, help me out here. Um, uh, input? Input, that's the word. Thank you so much. As much input for you uh, as we possibly can get. So we've already talked about it several times. Next podcast and when is the next podcast just out of interest David what are we going it's to gonna be uh, next but I think we're gonna release it every Sunday every Sunday every Sunday this will go out um so our next podcast will be on the let me just check the date here because that will help us all out the next podcast it will be Sunday the 3rd of May and that's correct like to get you involved of course we've talked about it as we've already mentioned during this podcast how do you think the cruise companies are going to implement security for our guests in terms of extra sanitization measures to make the vessel safe from disease and infection? And that can be on the ships and off the ships as well. What can they control that is going to have a positive impact uh, with regards to COVID-19 when we start cruising again? We'd also like to know about your isolation songs. What songs are you listening to at home that are keeping you going? And also very, very excited for our next podcast because we're going to be joined by Ooh. i'm gonna take oh you said oh yeah i'm happened? excited this is our oh, first well, guest sorry yeah our first guest we're going to be joined by a, a, a legend of entertainment and cruising um a, a former colleague of both uh, david's and i's and a, a, a top man a fine man mr darren collins will be joining us for our next podcast to yeah, the Dazzler, DJ Dazzler, not DJ Dazzler, but just Dazzler. Darren Collins will be here and he'll be giving his his views on a range of subject topics as well. And we'll be finding out about his isolation songs. Um, and if you've got any questions that you might like to ask outside of that, put them in the comments below. And of course, we can address them in our next podcast. But I'd like to say, David, it's been a pleasure. Well, I would like to say that, but um, I'm not going to lie. Um, thank you, Ben. <laughs> hey. Thanks for joining me, and uh, I will speak to you very soon and look forward to Darren joining us for next week. Yeah, all right. Love to the family, Dave. Take care. All Thank right. you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.